1: I had originally planned on recording this episode later in the week about overreacting to week one in the NFL, but in regular fantasy, we have waiver wires, and I just saw ridiculous advice being bandied about on waiver wire pickups, especially when it comes to free agency acquisition budget figures as to who you should pick up in week two. Now, the number one injury item that popped up over the weekend was Elijah Mitchell of the 49ers, running back, got hurt, out with a knee injury for a couple of weeks. I have heard from, like, just re- like uh, various websites that are supposedly well-versed on the marketplace, <coughs> right about her, uh, that you should allocate Half your free agency acquisition budget for the entire year. All $100, $200. Like, you should allocate 50% of your budget on his backup, Jeff Wilson. Let me just say, the 49ers have always used multiple backups. That's why Raheem Mostert never became much of anything after the Super Bowl run for the 49ers. Because they always had other dudes... One of whom was Elijah Mitchell. So to say that one guy on the 49ers is gonna replace the bulk load of work for Mitchell when he gets hurt is the epitome of idiocy. And like I like I I'm trying to be respectful here, but it is malfeasance to give advice to say Jeff Wilson is the guy after Eli Mitchell gets hurt. Yes are the 49ers going to rely on Jeff Mitchell more than they would have originally planned to without question. But to say that he's the lead back in the 49ers backfield and that they're not going to use other guys from the practice squad to supplement Jeff Wilson, who is not nearly the caliber of rusher that Eli Mitchell was in terms of burst of speed and change of pace. It's just malfeasance. I'm sorry, folks. It like, you, anyone who's telling you that Jeff Wilson is going to be the guy moving forward that you need to allocate all your money to is just it's just half-assing it with a ridiculous take. Jeff Wilson is fine to take a shot on, but realistically, he shouldn't be more than 10% of your budget because realistically, that is Jeff Wilson's season. He is a journeyman running back who can fill in a spot But realistically, over the course of a year, a team is going to upgrade off of Jeff Wilson. We just saw Melvin Gordon get a couple of touches for the Broncos in a losing effort. Melvin Gordon hasn't been traded from the Broncos yet. Some of these teams are just going to make a decision and just say, Hey, we need this guy over whomever we have in the backfield. They're probably a better bet going with Melvin Gordon. Don't tell me that Jeff Wilson is going to finish even if Eli Mitchell doesn't come back the rest of the year for the 49ers. Don't tell me that Jeff Wilson is going to be the guy leading all the carries for the 49ers for the remainder of the year. That is outright outrageous to say. I'm sorry. It just is outrageous. I am i don't know how else to say it. Like I'm reading these reports of people allocating budget and trying to make a case for Jeff Wilson. It's like... Have we not been watching the NFL for multiple years? Jeff Wilson is a journeyman running back. W- what do you mean we are going to allocate half our budget for the entire year for one dude? This is not McCur like no, no, this is not playoffs a lot. This is week two of the NFL. People get hurt. There's going to be opportunities. This is not the week to go all in on a play where he may not even get the full run the rest of the year. The 49ers could bring someone else in. This is a two to three week stopgap at best. And we see how the numbers look from there in terms of managing the situation. And that's what this is. It's managing the damage control of a perceived starter going down for multiple weeks at a time. We got this with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. If you have Cowboys receivers, now that Dak is out and it's Cooper Rush, realistically, you need to be trying to trade some of those receivers for lesser value because with Dak being gone, there's no way they're hitting that value. But hey, if you can pound them off onto some other unsuspecting victim, that isn't nearly as adept at recognizing that deck prescott is not on the cowboys for the foreseeable future by all means do it but i'm not going to say cooper rush is anyone you should be rostering because that is absolutely false cooper rush should not be rostered on fantasy teams this year dfs yeah for a one-shot deal yeah you can you can make a case for it uh a position where you need consistency from the uh, the throwing bit, like, it just doesn't make sense. So, when I see fab discussion going on, and, you know, you got Jeff Wilson leading the chart, it, it just is beyond, beyond irresponsible. I'm sorry, it just, it just is. Like, there, there are plenty of people who worked on quality projects, that would have just killed it and moved on with some other uh, animation variant of its uh, Disney's live action library. It it just, I, I just cannot believe we are in a state where someone actually suggested Jeff Wilson be allocated thirty to fifty percent of their free agency acquisition budget after week one. It's like, guys, just get over yourselves. So, with that being said. Other situations to monitor. Damian Pierce versus Rex Burkhead. Wow, that was a matchup that I was not anticipating having to discuss this season. Mainly because Rex Burkhead is somehow clinging to a job in the NFL this year. Because I can't think of any other team besides the Texans who would have hired him to be an active player, if you will. Maybe he has a coach. But... Texas actually hired uh, like brought on uh brought back Rex Burkhead to play. Very odd. And then he out snapped Damian Pierce, who looked like a stud in the preseason. And because these uh these uh, situational talks to the NFL will keep happening, there's no way that Damian Pierce his value skyrocketing in the preseason is validated because now we got a carousel situation at best where it looks as though Burkhead is the lead back. I would disagree with this situation versus the Cam Akers, the Royal Johnson, because Cam Akers was struggling to move around for what we saw on Thursday night. So we'll get a better sense of, is he truly recovered from the Achilles injury? as we lined up because we don't know for certain if cam Akers is healthy what i can say is there is no chance that rex perkhead is beating Damian pierce in a fair battle one-on-one it kind of screams to the fact that they want to have another voice in the room to kind of talk things through besides russ to kind of make sure they zone in on certain plays so to me it just kind of And encapsulate some of these teams doing random things that are going to throw off your valuations. But you have to be objective in terms of how you evaluate these guys. None of these guys are difference makers in terms of an offense. So it just kind of comes down to what you're willing to pay for for an incremental at best option. Because the school, uh, the school of thought for waiver wires at least the way i was brought up was more along the lines of address immediate needs if you have to but wait it out for a few more weeks because you're going to get better pricing on some of these deals as folks get tired this is just buying into the panic as far as i'm concerned from waiver wire standpoint because i'm seeing curtis samuel being thrown around i'm seeing Jahan dotson being thrown around even robbie anderson being thrown around You know, there are a lot of names, but realistically, do you want to bring them into the fold is the question I would pose for everyone involved. As this could simply be just the blip on the radar in terms of uh, performance-wise in Week 1 versus the rest of the year, I still have some reservations about the rest of some of these uh, squads, given the... uh, Week one outburst, if you will. Some of these guys, I still don't see that production carrying over for a multi week segment. So I wouldn't go crazy with acquisition budgets. Yeah, could you spend some wave wire picks? Yeah, if it resets, certainly. But none of these players, I would say, is you got to have them uh, or her in your lineups uh, for the next. Ten plus weeks because no one is worth that just yet. It it's still an ongoing process. No matter what uh, they may say uh, from a large uh, representative pool of uh, expert opinions, no one is uh, guaranteed uh, a major spot based off of week one. It just it just doesn't work that way. So again. I was just saying uh, this in general for folks. Don't panic over week one but some of the uh, waiver wire advice being bandied about I just felt the need to kind of come out and just publicly state that that's just not the way to go about it and you're kind of taking more clickbait advice if you will just for uh, throwing out a number that is on the shocking side. So I would say absolutely not uh, in terms of Somebody, advice being bandied about Jeff Wilson, it just doesn't make any sense. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, you know, Jeff Wilson get ownership uh, this upcoming week, but I don't think it's necessarily warranted or guaranteed from a playing uh, time standpoint. So we'll see how things pan out. But you know, in terms of Week One, yeah, we had some weird results. You had Seattle upsetting the Broncos because Nathaniel Hackett just had a complete another brain fart in the 2-minute drill where you're selling for a 64-yard field goal when you got Russell Wilson that you traded a ton of picks for and paid him a bunch of money and then you burn almost the entirety of your 2-minute offense just uh, mulling around for 10 yards like it made no sense there was no uh planning no foresight into, you know, how are we going to get a touchdown on the board? It was just rookie head coach on national TV having a moment, and it was not a good moment, and everyone is savaging him justifiably because it was was pretty absurd how uh, much he screwed the pooch there. But, you know, the observations from week one, everyone's panicking about Cam Akers and his lack of playing time You know, I got to say this, and we're going to come back after a break here. But uh, realistically, I'll tell you guys why, you know, there's way too much overreaction after week one of the NFL season. And we'll we'll get into it shortly uh, after this. But uh, more to come, uh, certainly along the way.
0: Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready.
1: All right, so everyone and their mother on Twitter was going off Thursday night about Cam Akers and his lack of involvement in the Rams offense. And this is one of those situations where I hear folks talk about, oh, I got to cut them. You know, should I try to panic trade off of one game? And I keep saying what was the offense based around? The running attack for the Rams. Everyone knows this. So what are you what are you trying to prove here? Yes, was it a bad game one? Of course. But you cannot be panic moving after one game. Especially when his backup, Darrell Henderson, barely did anything on the ground. He had less than 60 yards rushing in a just putrid effort in terms of moving the ball. Now Again, folks are gonna be like, "Yeah, but if uh, Henderson was struggling this much against uh, the Bills' defense, why didn't Akers get more work?" There could have been any number of reasons why he might have been just looking a little bit shaky in practice. We won't know for sure, but we do know that in terms of the uh, in terms of the actual. Uh, matchup the Bills run defense was a terrible matchup for Cam Akers week one you didn't draft Cam Akers to have a massive game week one you drafted Cam Akers because of the Rams rushing attack being a focal point of that offense throughout the course of the year you should be thinking about your fantasy lineups and the involvement of those players over the course of the year now I can give you someone you should be concerned about and that's Ur Smith in the Vikings offense because the whole plan that was talked about in the offseason that Irv Smith Smith's going to be more involved in the passing attack. And what we saw on Sunday was more of the same where Justin Jefferson is an absolute stud and beast. You need to get that ball, the man, that man, the ball, as often as possible. Adam Thielen's being slowly phased out of the offense. It used to be more of a 50-50. Now it's really more like a 70-30. And then, you know, maybe a couple of targets outside of those two guys, but it's a very condensed uh, route tree. And so Irv Smith is kind of squeezed out. Dalvin Cook, not really a pass catching back. So you kind of know what the Vikings offense is going to do. People were worried about the uh, Packers defense. I wasn't one of those people. I just thought the Packers were going to be able to run the ball on uh, the Vikings and the Vikings were going to be having to play catch up through the air. Didn't work out that way. The, the The Packers struggled to block and the Vikings uh, were able to just throw all day on the Packers secondary, which I thought was going to be the case. It's just that the Packers were the team that couldn't keep up on offense and it was a putrid offensive effort. Now, does that mean I'm going to be bailing on the Packers moving forward? No, I still think the Packers offense is still going to be productive this year, but we have to reevaluate the offensive line and where that fits into their scheme of featuring two running backs between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh Dillon got more touches than Jones, but again, that was something to be expected where you got a lot of volume for two running backs because they don't have a ton of receivers. So again, panicking about Aaron Jones after week one is ridiculous in my opinion. It just doesn't make any sense. And That's where the psychology of folks in season-long fantasy, you just got to improve your mental attitude about how your teams do it. The week-to-week swings that I see amongst players is ridiculous. That's why you get dumb trades happening, because they get upset week-to-week, and then they just make a rash decision without thinking about, in context, how your team's going to perform over the long term. And look at the schedule. One week does not determine how the player's going to be doing. A full month probably gives you a better uh, feel, especially for your first five draft picks. Guys that you took late round flyers on, like ersmith Smith, yeah, you can get move on from if you're not seeing them involved in the offense because they're always going to be the fourth option on most play calls. So you get it. But in terms of your first uh, five uh, draft picks, you should not be moving on from any of those dudes barring injury. At all for the first seven weeks of the year, like you really have to be kind of halfway through the year because these are the horses you picked. Yeah, could you say that maybe some guys are looking over the hill and maybe so? Like if it's an Austin Eckler situation where okay, I I was trying to warn folks you might be drafting him too high because he's looking to reduce his workload. If you then drafted him high, you're gonna be selling out selling at a loss, but maybe you get out ahead of it because. His role on the offense is going to be changing. The, uh, the chargers in general surprised me because Mike Williams was not being featured as the number one wide receiver, even though internally he's viewed as such, they diversified their route tree. Unlike uh, Minnesota, even before Keenan Allen got hurt and and those two guys were splitting, uh, targets and then the, the, uh, tertiary and, uh, wide receivers and four-string wide receivers were still getting a decent amount of uh, love from Justin Herbert. The uh, Chargers were diversifying their offense against the Raiders. We'll see if it holds up Thursday night against the Chiefs. We'll do a breakdown of that uh, matchup, but it's something I want to see in a short week turnaround. How are they going to use uh, those other receivers because it makes a difference in terms of how you want to build out a DFS lineup for showdown because. Everyone's going to want to target Mahomes in the captain spot, and folks are going to want to target Herbert in the captain spot. But what I'm th- I'm thinking might be the play here is, and this is just me spitballing before we even see the salaries. But I kind of have a good idea that we're going to get. We'll put Mahomes and Herbert as the two most expensive guys in on the slate. You may want to just have pick your choice of whichever Chargers receiver you want to go with. See, they catch a touchdown. But have that person in the captain spot. You're you're packing in both uh, Herbert and Mahomes in your flex spots, racking up all the points, and then you kind of mix and match to see how the salaries go to kind of dictate how you're building out uh, the roster. But realistically, I'm looking at this game to see how the Chargers keep things going because I think it's a it's going to be interesting to see where Mike Williams falls into the mix because. It was not an encouraging sign week one. Even looking at the tape again, I got thrown off by it. But this is a long-term plan. If you drafted Mike Williams, you cannot be giving up hope after week one. Uh, I cannot stress this enough. Your first five picks, barring injury, you should be writing them throughout the year unless you get like bowled over by an offer that you have to take. But selling out a loss in the first month of the year It's just one of the most foolhardy things I see fantasy managers commit that same mistake over because they let the emotions get the best of them rather than looking at the schedule throughout the course of the year. So these are the things you should be focusing on in terms of uh, the actual production of your uh, players, because it's not just how many receptions or yards they gained. It's about how many snaps they played on the field. And some of these guys like Cam Akers, yeah, not a ton of snaps, but you if you saw the game, you also saw that he missed some blocking assignments. So he might have just been getting punished week one because they knew against the Bills they would need to be on point with the blocking assignments, and Akers wasn't. So that's just something to kind of bear in mind as to moving on. It's like, okay, is he in the doghouse until he can uh, figure out the pass blocking schemes a little bit better? It's more to monitor but not necessarily to jump off a bridge over because it's still so early that we're going to see other opportunities develop. It's the NFL. That's just the way it is. We call it not for long for a reason because regardless of your situation, whether you're feeling great about it or not so great about it, it's not for long. It's like change happens at a rapid clip and you just have to be prepared to adapt as the season goes along. And that's the biggest misnomer I see with fantasy managers throughout of the year is the rush to judgment and not thinking about long-term future. So then you, you basically kneecap yourself later on in the year because you downgraded way too early. And then you don't have the horses to kind of get yourself into proper playoff form or to even make the playoffs. So again, you got to take it with a grain of salt with some of these matchups, kind of look at it. If you're a Saquon Barkley drafter, you should be feeling pretty good because he looked healthy. On the flip side, the way I would look at it, though, is Saquon looked healthy. The Giants still were struggling to move the ball on offense. Eventually, teams are going to load up the box, and we're going to have to see if Saquon Barkley can stay healthy enough to justify the valuation of him going late first round, early second round. I'm not entirely sold on that just because his injury history kind of tells you that he's going to get injured probably before week seven or week six even. And that's just the way it is. You try to be optimistic, but history kind of tells you a different story. And that's a player you might want to consider selling high on as you get into that month period. If he puts together a good, uh, a good couple of games, you may want to actually consider a move like that because it might get you a power move for someone who panic trades, uh, and gives up uh, some valuable pieces like an Aaron Jones, and you get a top wide receiver on top of that uh, to go with it, that that might be willing to, uh, willing to bolster your roster over if you think that uh, Saquon can get hurt. But that's how you have to kind of think about holistically looking at your entire team and its schedule throughout the entire course of the year and making your adjustments that way. So, again... Just food for thought on waiver wire targets and not going overboard with some of the results we saw in week one. Because I can tell you point blank, the folks that are rushing to grab Jeff Wilson off of waivers are not necessarily thinking about it long term wise of how much they're paying. Because like to me, it doesn't make any sense paying you know exorbitant amounts on free agency uh, waiver wire dollars. For Jeff Wilson and even Curtis Samuel, I'm probably not paying more than uh eight bucks for. If you're paying in the teens on Curtis Samuel based off of the week one performance, when you know Carson Wentz was awful in that game. Uh the Jags blew a number of assignments. You know, if you wanna back Curtis Samuel, you can knock yourself out, but Terry McLaurin is so far and away the better receiver and more justifiably gonna get the ball more. Uh, from uh, Carson Wentz that I can't can't ever recommend someone uh, grabbing Curtis Samuel unless you're desperate at wide receiver and are throwing a couple of bucks on it. But I'm not throwing anything significant on it. And I already told you about my stance on the Jeff Wilson thing. It's like this is bonkers that folks still think this Jeff Wilson uh, scenario is going to be a thing in 2022. We've seen this story too many times with the 49ers in their bags. They're all interchangeable don't blow out your entire budget for Jeff Wilson in week two. It's just, it's indefensible. So I am going to get on out of here. Uh, Thank you for listening, folks. And until next time, have a good one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.